0: You're listening to The Blind Stealing the Blinds, a podcast by students of the game for students of the game. Join Dell and BJ in conversations about poker theory and bridging the gap between theory and application. We're all in this together, so let's get to it. This week's topic, being more curious and less judgmental or how to rewire your brain for success. Hey Dale, how's it going this week?
1: It's going well. It's been a busy week for me. I'm working a little harder than I expected. They've started my overtime sooner than I thought, but it means less poker, but it means more money at the moment, which when this job is over means I'll have more money to go play poker. So,
0: And after this job's over, you're looking to go pro. So your bankroll will be bigger to support that. Yeah. Are you
1: going to take the plunge? I don't know. It's looking like it's going to be tight. Uh, at the very least, I will definitely ramp up the, my semi-pro status. At the very least, I will do that. I'm still going to, I'm still going to try and do it. We're going to see how it turns out. And I'm not going to say yes. I'm not going to say for sure 100% that it's going to work. We're going to do the best we can. And that's how it goes.
0: I saw you post a video recently on our YouTube channel about a staking challenge. Are you looking to go micro stakes to live poker? Or are you going to jump right to live poker since your bankroll will be higher?
1: Just a slight correction in terminology, staking, it was a stakes challenge, moving up in stake. Yeah, I don't want people thinking I'm out there looking to be staked. I'll gladly take any staking and coaching that I can get, but that's not what the point of the video was. I have two challenges going on now, and unfortunately, one I'm not going to be able to do until after November, and it, it is basically a stakes challenge. My goal is to move from the bottom stakes on online to, at the very least, 50 NL. I'd like to actually get to 100 NL. And I'm just going to track how that's going week to week. And the other one is live is to go through a process of going up in stakes from the bottom stakes of 1-2 up to five ten, and to do that as quickly as possible. That's where that's going. And so there should be weekly videos on that and updates on it. There's not going to be any updates on the... Live, because I won't be playing live until after November. Right. Your work is too
0: busy to give you time to play live. Yes. So you'd mention that. I get that. My week has been exciting. I left my job. Friday was my last day at my company. I start with a new company Monday. So Thursday, I did a bunch of out-processing work. I found myself around noon with nothing to do. So I did the most logical thing. I went to the casino. I ended up playing a session and it was time well spent. It ended up earning me more money than I would have had I stayed at my job. So that was always nice to have a plus session. But I have to say, when I left work, when I finished my out processing, I had two amazing conversations. And the bottom line, you will never know who you have a positive impact on. And this is really powerful. One woman came to me. And she's pretty straightforward. She said, when I started working at the office, I frustrated her because I kept expecting more. And she realized I was asking for more because that's what the organization needed. We needed better process. We needed better systems. We needed better. And I have this relentless pursuit of excellence that I encourage others to pursue. She told me flat out. She literally said, you made me a better person. That was insanely Powerful. That was that was huge. About 30 minutes later, I'm doing some other out-processing, and I run into a colleague that I hadn't seen in years. She told me I inspired her to get her MBA, and she's pursued higher education ever since, and she wanted to reach out to me, but we lost touch, and she saw me in the hallway, and, and she said, you didn't know you had this impact on me. So she gave me her cell phone number. I texted her, we're going to keep in close contact. But the fact is, in half an hour, I ran into two colleagues who told me what a positive influence I had on their careers and their lives, and that was, that was insanely powerful. That's a great segue into what we want to talk about today, which is rewiring your brain for success. Just as I had a positive impact on other people and didn't even know it, you might be having things that are causing negative impacts on yourself and you don't even know it. So we're going to talk about how to bring that to bear, how to bring that to conscious thought, and rewire your brain for success, both in life and in poker.
1: Yeah, I, I first of all want to start out by saying that you have also had a positive influence on me, you've made me a better student, and I think that the title of this podcast should probably be uh, BJ's Awesome Listen and You'll Become a Better Human Being. Um, So here's the thing. We're going to present the problem first. And, And when we're looking at this, we're talking about like this is a poker podcast. So we'll start with the poker side of things. One of the things that happens is that we get in our own way of poker success. First of all, I wanna say that this is gonna be very different than a lot of our others. It's gonna be more like our podcast on ego because this is not just poker, this is life. This is so applicable to life, it's so applicable to poker, it's so applicable to anything you do. We actually love these ones. We're taking a little bit of break from poker theory and we're, we're delving into how the brain works and how we can consciously manipulate our brains to be better human beings. We get in our way of success in life, and in poker. So I think I've just made a decision that I'm not going to talk about the two separately. We get down at the poker table, and we have this thing that happens where the reality is, is most of us stay playing poker because we experience some level of positive variance early on in our poker playing. And if we didn't experience that, we probably wouldn't play. I'm not saying there's not exceptions to that. There's obviously going to be exceptions to that. But I'm talking like the majority of us. And what ends up happening is we lie to ourselves in that first part. We, we, we don't know we're lying. We don't realize that we're rationalizing it. We tell ourselves the success is because we're good at poker. The reality is we experience some positive variance. And there's things that we probably did in that time that are not conducive to long-term profitability. But we'll keep telling ourselves it works, and we'll keep doing it over and over again. It's not that there's nothing good we did in that time. We don't know what's good and what's bad in that time. That happens in life, too. We become teenagers and we're convinced we know everything. We do all these stupid things as teenagers. And if they work out, we tell themselves, well, that was because we were smart. We don't bother to say it's because we're lucky. There's variance in life. There's variance in poker. And here is a, a reality of both. You can do everything right and still have a negative outcome. And you can do everything wrong and still have a positive outcome what has a tendency to happen is we tell ourselves when we we have a negative outcome, we try to tell ourselves, well, what do I got to do different? Well, maybe the answer is nothing. Maybe you need to keep doing it. Because all you do by doing right actions is improve your odds of a positive outcome. A positive outcome is not guaranteed. You're just improving your odds of one. Negative behavior does not mean you're going to have something bad happen. But it certainly increases the outcome a lot. It increases the odds of a negative outcome. What happens is we say, well, must not have done anything wrong. Nothing bad happened. I stole dad's car, but I got it back in time and nothing happened. So I didn't really do anything wrong. It's fine. I can do it again until the time you de- do it and you smash it into a tree. And the next thing you know, your father's talking about how he needs to break a couple legs, but, you know, or my father would. <laughs> <laughs> we want to take and in, in delve into how we can actually be honest with ourselves about those outcomes and the process and then start strengthening the synapses in our brains that improves our thinking, our thought process to make better decisions going forward.
0: I have two
1: ideas from
0: psychology that bear on this topic. It comes down to this you're not that smart, and they're not that dumb. The first part you're not that smart. Confirmation bias, it's a real thing. We are programmed to believe the things that we want to believe and we, we count stronger than we ought to those experiences that reinforce those beliefs and we discount those experiences that run contrary to those beliefs. On the negative side of it, the fundamental attribution error. Everybody's done this in the car. You're speeding down the highway. You're zigging in and out of traffic because you got to hit the restroom. There's a darn good reason you need to get to where you need to be I need to find the closest off-ramp so I can hit a gas station because I need to use the restroom right away. You have a good reason. If you see someone else weaving in and out of traffic, speeding down the highway like a demon, you think to yourself, they're an idiot. What's wrong with those people? They're going to kill somebody. Don't they know how reckless they're driving? You will attribute to yourself a sound and noble reason. But you will attribute to others a reason that's just reckless and irresponsible. That's the fundamental attribution error. You're not that smart, and they're not that dumb. The poker creature were so good at rationalizing. They should have never called that bluff. What's wrong with them? I bluffed perfectly. Why'd they call? Well, maybe you didn't bluff perfectly. Maybe you're trying to bluff a calling station, and you should know, if they ain't folding, we ain't bluffing. Oh, man, I can't believe they, they cracked my aces with seven
1: off. Okay, fine. It happens. You mean limping, limping with my aces wasn't a good idea? <laughs> probably,
0: probably not. Go listen to episode one. But no, there, there's a lot of science behind how we rationalize things and how if we want to rewire our brain consciously, like Dell's mentioning, we need to be honest with ourselves.
1: Yeah, that's the first thing. And that, and we're going to talk about tools later, but honesty is is actually a tool that, that we're going to use here. It's it's one of those things we need. And it's self-honesty. And if we can't be honest with ourselves, then we need friends who are capable of being honest with ourselves. So it doesn't matter whether we're talking life or poker. We need those friends. We need those people who do it. There have been people who've told BJ, there have been people who've told me that your poker's not sound. One of the things, I mean, I, I joked earlier that BJ's made me a better student, but he has. He's made me a better student because I've been able to watch the success he has by listening to the other people. He, The fact that he was able to listen and apply so much easier and, and have so much more success so much faster than me, It was like, holy crap, maybe I'm the one that's wrong here. You know, maybe I do need to start listening to all these coaches and friends that keep saying your poker is not sound. You need to do something about it. When we're looking at consciously rewiring our brain, so first of all, let's talk about some facts that are important to know. They used to think that your brain grew until you were a teenager and then it stopped growing. It does, not it grows until you're about 25, and then it's sort of fully developed, and I'm going to stress the word sort of. They tend to think of it as sort of being fully developed, except that you can still write new synapses in your brains. You can still create new neurons in your brain, and there are things to do to do that. Exercise will help create neurons. There are there is some signs that Temeric can take and create new neurons. Learning new stuff can help create new neurons. And it's important to create those new neurons. They help keep your brain young and healthy, but they also keep it more pliable in the sense that you're able to learn faster. You're able to rewrite those synapses faster. One of the things that your brain does, and by the way, I am not a brain scientist. I'm not an expert. I don't pretend to be. But you can find, this is all like common information. You can find this on the Internet. You can find it in books. You can find it in studies. The brain gets rid of the synapses it doesn't use. It's a process called pruning. Right, and it it creates new ones as you use things and you learn new things. Before BJ and I started recording, one of the things we talked about was getting rid of an old habit is hard. And he he ain't lying. It is hard to get rid of an old habit. And a lot of times, I would argue, it's a waste of time to even try. It's easy to start a new habit because you're rewriting new neurons. And if you start a new habit, that old habit becomes less prominent. Start a new positive habit as opposed to trying to get rid of that old negative habit, what happens, you'll use that in old negative habit less. Those synapses will get pruned eventually. It really doesn't matter which way you choose. I'm going to talk about this, and this is definitely the life part. You can choose love or hate, and whichever path you choose, the synapses that strengthens that thought process will be strengthened. You can choose closed-mindedness and open-mindedness, and whatever path you choose, those synapses will be strengthened. So start a new habit. I've been trying to eat less unhealthy food. And the reality is I could just start a new habit. Maybe instead of trying to eat less unhealthy food, maybe I just try to eat more things like vegetables, more vegetables. It's a new habit. It's a different way. And it leads us to another thing that for that rewiring, one of the key things we're changing the way our, we think, our thought process, and, and, and for how we go through this life and how we play at a poker table is being able to reframe things. But it, it's not just about reframing things. You also have to use the right language when you reframe things. The language is the most important thing here. A perfect example is, I really hate that guy because he plays seven deuce off, can become, hey, that's curious. I wonder why he played that 7 deuce off, And now it changes the whole thought process behind it. It leads us to the ability to be curious as opposed to judgmental. And in that process, we become better poker players. We can become better human beings. We become better friends, better husbands, better wives, better sons and daughters.
0: Dal and I talked about this before the podcast. And I want to bring this up because I think he has a way of helping me reframe this thought. My wife has told me I'm not responsible for how other people feel. I'm responsible for my own emotions and I'm responsible for how I act on those emotions. So here's what it is. I can get tilted at the table and I can make a conscious decision that, okay, I understand that I'm tilted. Fine. I'm going to get up and walk away. That is my action. Instead of roiling at the table and spewing chips because I continue to play angry, it's like Groundhog Day. Bill Murray told us, don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. Don't play poker angry. Don't play poker angry. Groundhog Day. Don't do that. Get up, walk, take a break, and then come back. I understand that I feel tilted, and I choose to take a positive action on that emotion and get up and extricate myself from the situation until I'm calm and then return Dell and I were talking before the podcast that I can actually choose to feel differently, and that's different to me. That was that was a pretty powerful reframing. So, Dell, could you share that with us?
1: Yeah. And, and the first thing I want to do, I just want to add one other thing. You had said you said that you can't choose your feelings, and and I didn't agree with you. I want to be very clear because somebody's gonna somebody's gonna hear this. And say, well, what do you mean I can choose my feel? And and they're gonna be mad and they're gonna be sucking. I don't want you to do that. What I'm saying, like you have that initial emotional shock. I can't believe he just showed up there with, with jackade off. That initial emotional shock that is like, wow, it's powerful and it's so instantaneous. Do you really have any choice in it? Not that time. Not that time. But if we take in that moment, we take the time to reframe it. If we take in that moment in time to look at it and change it to a question of curiosity as opposed to a statement of judgment. And we take the right action. The, the right action is enough. It really is. The getting up from the table and going for a walk is enough because the right action is really the core, but it can go deeper than that. It can go so much more than that if we start to look at the right feeling for the next time. So we can reframe that. It's curious. He showed up with Jack off. Why did he do that? Well, maybe he likes to gamble. Maybe he thinks that this is the way to take and be deceptive. We already know it's not a good part of a well-constructed range. The stacks were too small. It didn't make any sense. I'm going to go for a walk and think about this, and we come back, and we can come back to the table with the, how I'm going to feel about that in the future. I'm going to look at that as a very positive thing for me that he's willing to play that way. I'm going to feel good when I see him show up with Jack Ada. You can change your future feelings. You can change your future emotions. And it's not going to work perfectly, by the way. It's not going to work perfectly. There's going to be times when it's going to get to us. But the reality is is that the more we work on it, the stronger those synapses become. The more we look at it from the perspective of curiosity, be joyfully curious of the world. The more we look at it from that way, the more we strengthen those synapses, the less likely we are to get angry at a bad event. I like how you gave us two tools, reframing
0: and language. I think we need something in addition to help us implement those two tools. And that's a presence of mind. Somehow being present and understanding. All right, I'm not exactly sure how to say this, but but here's what I'm struggling with. Initially, yes, I have the shock. I'm tilted. I'm frustrated. I'm upset. I'm whatever the emotion is that I'm struggling with. How do I then have the presence of mind to realize that and take the right action. Okay, so I took some action on it. I got up, I walked away, I'm no longer tilted, but that's not as deep as we could go. We could start reprogramming our brain to no longer feel that emotion in the same way, but have kind of a growth mindset on it. For example, I was playing this weekend, and you know we had just done a podcast about how people don't know how to play jacks. Jacks are so hard for people to play. Under the gun, raised to 10 big blinds at a 1-3 table. She, she opened up to 30. Everybody folded, and she tabled two red jacks and said, that's the only way to play jacks, with like definitive (laughs) authority. Like, thou shalt always play jacks thusly. So let it be written, so let it be done. And everybody around the table commiserated with her and agreed with her, and I stayed conspicuously silent, because that is bullcrap. And that kind of ticked me off. Instead, if I had the presence of mind, I would have realized all these jokers around the table don't know how to play jacks, is that an insight into their psyche for how they don't know how to play other hands? Maybe they don't know how to do a solid range construction. Maybe they don't know how to play post-flop. Maybe there are chinks in their armor that I can exploit, and I didn't have the presence of mind to realize that. I just got mired in my emotion. I did realize it, but I didn't do any action on it to change my future emotion state. So how can I get present to make that jump?
1: We deal with a lot of stuff that's off table work. How is this any different? We don't go to the table and immediately know all the poker theory. We don't go to the table and immediately know about pot odds and we don't know about outs and all that stuff. We learn that stuff off the table, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is no different. You don't go out into life and and suddenly not get angry when something bad happens so you have to do that practice you have to be thinking about this before the stuff happens most of us don't meditation you're talking about a bridging tool meditation is a good bridging tool and and it doesn't listen i'm an advocate of meditation but meditation takes many forms if you sit down with a question and think it through thoroughly, that is meditation. If that's all you can, if you want to say, I'm not going to sit there and, and do mindful meditation and I'm not going to listen, that's fine. Sit down with the question and examine it. And that is a form of meditation. The question could be, how do I not tilt next time? I will have an attitude of curiosity as opposed to one of a judgment. Well, how do I accomplish that? Well, I accomplish that by asking questions. Why did they do that? What was their thought process? Why does this woman think that that's the only way to play jacks? Well, because if an ace, king, or queen comes out, she feels like she's got a fold. Does she have to fold? No, she's got range advantage. She doesn't understand that. She doesn't understand she's got range advantage here. She's not going to understand she's got range advantage when she's got ace, king, ace, queen, nines, eights. There's things to do off the table. There's self-help books, which I am neither a proponent for nor against self-help books. I will tell you, go out, read one self-help book. will do nothing. You will not gain a darn thing by reading one self-help book unless you apply what's in the book. And then you won't do any good unless the information in the book is good. Good information in, good information out. We're just walking, talking computers at the end of it all. My wife is a therapist. I love my wife very dearly, but I get in trouble when I tell her this. But she's actually come around. She now agrees with me. But when, when she first became a therapist, it used to make her so angry. I would say, there are 80 waking hours for the average person in a week. And 40 of those, you're at a job probably. If you go to therapy one hour a week, that's just one hour a week. It barely touches your life unless you take what's in that therapy session out into life. Does that mean therapy is no good? No, therapy is very valuable. So are the self-help books. So is this podcast So are any other podcast on, on being better poker players or better human beings. They're all valuable if they have good information and you apply the information. It's all about application, right? We could give the golden ratio of information here. And if nobody applies it, they will not build a beautiful house.
0: I'm still thinking about the 80 waking hours. I'm thinking about this. So 24 hours in a day, let's say you sleep eight. So that's 16 hours. Actually, if you only consider the five work days, yeah, that's, that's 80 hours right there.
1: You know what? I was only considering the five days, my bad. So there's obviously more than that. Um. <laughs> well, with
0: weekends, yes. But if you're talking yeah. about the work week, yeah, if you have 24 hours, you sleep eight, you're awake 16 out of five days, that's 80 hours. 40 hours you're at work probably let's say half hour commute each way so actually that's more hours where you're commuting you also have time for grooming and hygiene you know take the shower brush your teeth get ready for the there's not really that much time there's an interesting exercise called a time use survey you can find these online all you do is every 20 or 30 minutes you write down what you're doing right there at that moment what are you doing 20 30 minutes. Have your alarm go off on the phone every 30 minutes. But for every 30 minutes, you write down what you're doing. At the end of the day, you tally it up and you see just how precious little time you have.
1: Well, I I didn't mean it in that way, but I mean, you're right. So we should be using that time as wisely as possible, whether it's at a poker table or in life, or we should be doing the best we can to... Be better at what we want to do. Absolutely. Whether that's being a good husband, a good father, good friend, a great poker player, or anything. It doesn't matter what it is. If you want to be good at it, wire your brain to be good at it.
0: We don't have all that time in life to dwell on the negativity. If we do experience something negative like I did at the table yesterday where I got angry because all these crazy people were commiserating over how poorly this person played jacks, Instead of doing that, had I spent the time to reframe it with the right language to couch that experience in a way to help me grow as a poker player, or even outside of poker, if I have a negative experience and I'm able to reframe and couch that in language that helps me be a better person off the felt, that's going to position me to be a stronger, more productive, more resilient, probably happier individual, both in life on the felt and off the felt. So there's no reason not to do this. And if you find any of the information that we're saying valuable, or any information you find in self-help books valuable, or if you see a therapist and you find that valuable, it's only as valuable as your ability to put that information into active practice through exercise and conscious application.
1: If you don't use it, what's the point? Yeah, you're right. It's literally, application is, is is. Absolutely key. And, and there it goes. I mean, we'll, we'll continue to say it. We've said it probably in just about every podcast. You need to apply it. Theory's great. It's well, nothing if <laughs> you don't right. apply. The way
0: we've branded our podcasts is you and I are students of the game, four students of the game, helping bridge the gap between theory and application. Because it doesn't really matter how much you know, it matters how well you can apply it. I got to say, this is a really powerful podcast. One thing, this is going to be a tool. I know you mentioned reframing and language. A while ago, I talked about a journal for gratitude. And since that podcast came out, I have programmed my phone to remind me at 8.30 p.m. to update a Google Sheet. And in this Google Sheet, I write down three things I'm grateful for. I would like to expand that. And maybe I should use this in an actual pen and paper journal, actual a poker journal. Whenever I encounter something frustrating at the poker table, take a minute, walk away, and write in that journal what frustrated me, why I chose to be frustrated, how I can reframe it to be a learning opportunity for me to change my brain, to think differently. I think this was a willy jolly quote. Keep doing what you've been doing, keep getting what you've been getting. If I want to get different results, I need to do things
1: differently. And I will never do things differently unless I take the appropriate actions. I think that's great. That's a great exercise, and I hope some people take up on it. And what I would say is that the one thing I want people to apply, I want them to listen to this, I want them to go out there, and I want them to apply this after they hear this podcast. The next time somebody does something or something happens that makes you angry, before going down the path of blame and anger and judgment, take a few deep breaths and just ask why it happened, why they did what what they did. Try to get towards that curiosity and away from that anger. Because there's very, very, very few solutions in anger, but there's a lot of solutions in curiosity. Well, I
0: can't think of any better place to end the podcast than on that note right there. So thanks a lot, Dell. I think this was a fantastic topic. Thanks for sharing so much on this.
1: Thank you, BJ.
0: It's always awesome to be spending this time with you. As always. And until next week, this is The Blind Stealing the Blinds.
1: Like what you heard? Head over to anchor.fm slash to continue the conversation and join us on the socials. While you're there, you can also support the show. One blind per month is all we ask.